0: Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where our Sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I'm just, I I am ecstatic uh, to be back here. Um, I mean, this is is my home in Florida. Uh, You are my family here. I just I, I just love when I hear from you. I love when Rodney sends me nasty messages and you know and yeah, yeah. Uh um just so you know, Rodney, I did have sixty fifty six day age steak last evening. Yeah. And uh and it was a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that's not to leave everyone out. I'm just letting you know I just got blessed and so yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, it, it's 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 fun to come here because I, I feel I feel great freedom. Um, one of the things I tell my people is, is look, never complain about the worship when you're sitting there like a bump on a log. You worship is not about what's going on on the platform here they're just helping us facilitating us but if you don't like worship then look in the mirror and and i i oftentimes say that about preaching as well because when i preached at that church in buffalo i'm telling you i i had a word and the lord said no i don't want you to talk about that i want you to talk about baking a turkey Thought, oh, they're going to run me out of here on a rail, and I'm telling you, it was one of the most anointed messages I ever preached in my life. I preached for two and a half hours solid, and they didn't want me to stop. I, you know, I, 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 I the, in this in this church, I wore a suit, a tie. You know, it's just it's part of their culture, and um, and and I was I was ringing wet. The only thing dry was my cuff here and my collar. And the thing is, I was in just another place. It was the first time I experienced anything like that, where the congregation was drawing the word, pulling from heaven through the preacher and to them. One thing I would say to you, uh, if, 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 if you, I hear people say, ah, "I'm just not being fed." Well, you're not being fed because you're not pulling from heaven. Yeah. It's you that pulls from heaven through the preacher. Look, the preacher's just a vessel. We're, we're, just, we're, we're the extension cord. I mean, we, we need to be plugged into God, and if we're not, then you do have a complaint. Because you can, you can pull on an extension cord all, all day long, and if it's not plugged into the wall, you understand there's no power. But when the extension cord is plugged into the wall, but you're not plugged into the extension cord, you're not going to get anything. You, you, your, your bread ain't going to get toasted. Are you with me? Some of you need to get your bread toasted. Are you with me? Tell someone to say, you need to get your, bread toasted. You to get your bread toasted. Yeah, yeah. Y'all like holding your bread till it turns moldy. All right? <laughs> I told you, I feel free. Tell someone to say, oh, he's free. he's free. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> So so you know what, what is God saying? What is, what is the word for right now? I was with Papa Jack for a couple days um, just before coming here. and uh, man, I'm telling you, we, we would sit we would sit and just explore heaven. We would go up into that place and, and we were pulling on each other. We we're pulling from God, but we we're pulling on each other. And, and when, when we would see something on someone, some truth, man, we'd just be like pulling on. Come on. Tell me, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. So that's what I want you I want you to go like this to me. Say, come on. Tell me more. Come on. Do that. Come on. Pull. There you go. Come on. All right. All right. All right. There's, there's a transition that's taking place. Uh, i got about five messages right now, kind of all swirling. Um, and, and, and the Lord has something very specific. He wants to impart to Identity Church. There, but I have to give you a little bit of, of background. There, there's a shift that Jesus is taking the body of Christ through. He's taking us from one pasture field to another. Now, historically, we have seen that take place. We have seen God move his people from one pasture field to another. We, we see uh, even, even, so I'm going to speak at, immediately after the fall to, to the end of, of time. I'm going to talk about that for just a minute. If we look at that window, that, that created space of time that God said, I'm going to form time. Now, now man messed with it. When he brought corruption into time, okay, and so, so we have to remember that most of what we see in the Bible is is considering a dysfunctional people and not yet completely functional. So much of what we see in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, is not going to be what we'll be functioning in. The closer we get to the end of all things, the closer the bride matures, the less even those things that happen in the New Testament church. Listen, we keep wanting to go back to the New Testament churches. That's what we need to get back to. Maybe God got us from there. And he's pulled us through things. And, and listen, we should not go back to the immaturity of the brand new church. Now, we've made some mistakes along the way, and God has been wanting to correct those. But he's wanting to move us into a place far beyond the New Testament church. I need to say that again. Someone needs to hear that. God wants to move us far beyond the place of the New Testament church. Come on. And I, when I say New Te- we're the New Testament church, but I'm talking about in the inauguration, in the initiation of the New Testament church. So Jesus is moving us from one pasture field to another. And we've seen that. We've seen that in different places. We saw that when, when, when you have the fall of man. And, uh, and, and, so, and so you have Adam and Eve in the garden. And they're, if you will, in one pasture field. They're moved out of that to another pasture field, Right? to another place where God is going to shepherd them. Are you with me? And so they're in this other place, and then you have uh, corruption of the earth, and you have Noah, and then God moves them to another. They have to go through the flood, and there's another way that man is relating to and functioning with God. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, and so then you see Babel, and and you see yet another... another cosmic, another worldly change that takes place on the earth. Man, no longer can communicate everyone one to another, but everything's all about miscommunication now. And you think about that. We would all be in perfect relationship if we communicated perfectly. And our hearts were right. But So we see yet another switch, one pasture field to another. So these movings have occurred before. This isn't new. Right now, God is moving us from one pasture to another. And when I, when I saw the Lord, when He said that to me, I said, but what, what does that look like? I, I want to know, I want to know what that looks like. What does this pasture field that we're in currently look like? What is He moving us to? What are the conditions that it takes to get us from here to there? What does the function look like here? And what does the function look like there? And I think it's crucial for us to understand this. Because we have to remember what's in between the bookmarks after the fall and, and to the, the complete fruition, the maturity of the bride of Christ, what's in between there is, is still dealing with the dysfunction of man. And God is maturing us or growing the bride of Christ to become more and more capable of embracing her bridegroom becoming more and more like him. Are you with me? We're made in the image and likeness of God. So is it God's intention for us to function with him and become more and more like him? So, so what does that look like? How does he do that? Well, I believe Jesus is our shepherd, and he moves us from one place to another. So the pasture field that we've been in as the body of Christ, we've been in this place of, of knowing full well that God provides for all of our needs, Right? That's good. How many have had God's provision in their life? You've seen God provide for you. Yeah, tell me something God's provided for you. Mike, what's something God's provided to you? Good work environment. Yeah, come on, 401k. Run, baby, run. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, what's something else God's provided? Yeah? A wife. Did you say a wife? Yeah, you got a good one, too. It's my sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ted, you had to say yes because yes. you're afraid it was going to get picked up on the camera, and you know. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. And stable job. And stable job. Come on. So we see God's provision in Philippians four nineteen. It says, "And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus." Are you with me? Now, it, let's look at that. God will supply all your needs, say my needs, my needs. According, to. according to. Now, that, that word according is kind of interesting. It means, it means down through. It means, it means by the way of. God, God desires to provide not just enough. We, we know that God provides more than enough. That is God's intention. But how many of you have seen that that hasn't been our experience? Now, wait, I'm going to say that again. Our experience has oftentimes been that God does not provide more than enough. Now, we know that's contrary to what he intends. He isn't making a mistake. He doesn't have an issue. But there's something that has to happen. There's a change that needs to take place that is going to move us from the place of not enough to the place of more than enough. But I think it's even more than that. It isn't just about the stuff that God does. It's the way that we as his sons and daughters are being encouraged to think because he wants us to think with him. Not just find out his thoughts, but to think with him, to even think like him. Are you with me? Uh, I was was talking to Charlie the other day, and, and, and we were talking about employees, and man, Some of the most valuable employees we have are the employees that not only have our back but think like us because they're going to do what we want them to do without, thank you, instinctively. That was a better word, instinctively. (laughs) Come on, there you go. Come on. That's (laughs) good. Was that or was that not a first? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when I said we might team preach, I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so so let me ask you a question. What, when, when, we, when we have less than enough, is, is the problem that God has a supply issue? No? No? God doesn't have a supply problem, does he? Hmm. Um, Well, let me ask this. Is there an awareness issue? Is God not aware? We're not. 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 So, So we're seeing that God has more than enough, and he is aware. Then what in the world is he trying to teach us? Because when something isn't happening according to the Word of God, it's not that God's messing up. It's not that you're bad. See, that's what the enemy would tell you. You're bad. You're just not a good enough Christian. You're disqualified. Oh, you messed up. You're not innocent. Come on, somebody. Yeah. But the issue is not an awareness of God its not His supply that's a problem. There's something else that He's trying to lead us into. There's, there's a place that He's wanting to take us from and to because we've been in this place of... And, and even, even when God provides... Because there are many of us, our experience is more than enough. It's true. There, there are those of us in the body that we're, we're living in more than enough... And we get that. And so, but see, I don't even think that's where God wants us to be. Having full confidence that I see a need, and then I go to God, and I say, God, I have a need. We have not because we ask not, or we ask amiss. And, and so then God provides for our need, and we and we bring it to the earth. Now, here's how I picture it. This is how I think about it. I believe we we discover the need on the earth, right? And then we ascend, and we take our seat with Him, seated with Him in heavenly places, and we present our petition to God, and we say, God, here's my petition. I'm asking, according to your will, And according to what Jesus did, I have as a son, I am coming to you. And God says, well, of course here. And so I take and I carry it and I make the transition from spirit to the natural. And by help of Holy Spirit, I release that on the earth. And so I have more than enough. Now that's better than not enough, but it's still not what God intends. And this shift that God is wanting to do is moving us from this place right here, whether More than enough or not enough. But may I say to you, it is living out of need. We identify a need first. And that isn't how God operates. God never operates out of need. He never moves from lack to provision. He always moves from provision to lack or to the need. I mean, look in the garden. Everything was there. That's what it says. It says that, that it was all there. Here, here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 8-9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, th- that though He was rich, He became poor for your sake, so that through His poverty, you might become rich. Look, Jesus took on sin that wasn't His. He didn't need to become poor. He became poor because He wanted to take poverty and hammer that thing to the cross where it belonged and put it in in hell where it belongs and move us out of poverty into the place of more than enough. But He wants us to function and think with God. So, Jesus, being with the Father as He ascended, He was at the seat of all provision. We agree with that, right? Right? So, the Lord God planted a garden. This is Genesis 2. We all know these verses. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there He placed the man whom He had formed out of the ground. The Lord God caused to grow every every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, 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 God planted every tree that was appealing, that you desired, and that was good for you. So, so you desired it, and it was good for you. Jesus, help me. How many of you know there are things that we desire that may not be good for us? All right? I'm not going to go there. That's going past preaching to meddling. Okay. Here's what, I, here's what I want you to see, though. But there are two particular trees that he draws our attention to. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? May I submit to you that you are going to be crucified to one of those and eat the fruit of the other. One of those you are going to be crucified to, the other of those you are going to eat the fruit of. Whichever one you're crucified to, you will eat the fruit of the other. If you're crucified to the tree of life... Meaning you turn your back to it, then, and, and it becomes death to you. God wants us to walk in abundant life. He wants us to walk in that aeonius zoe, the abundant life. That's what John talked about when, when it says, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The abundant life, the eternal life, the kingdom kind of life. I wrote a book about that called The Kingdom Life. So here's what I want you to see. Whichever one of those trees, look, if you if you are crucified to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you turn your back on it, and that has no power over you. Are you with me? The cross was a place of being cursed. The tree was a place of being cursed. And so, so God wants to release us from that curse and eat from the tree of life where everything, everything is there for you Before you need it, Hmm. to the woman he said, "I'll greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you'll bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband." And he, there's this thing now, and and he will rule over you. Then Adam, he said because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I command you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you. You'll eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you'll eat, you'll eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken for your dust, and to dust you shall return. Here's, so, so there's the introduction of need, There's the introduction. I mean, think about it. If you ask the average person out there, what are your biggest problems? They're going to tell you. My marriage needs fixed. I need help with addiction. I don't have enough money. I need a better job. Everything that, that they are experiencing that tells them life is bad is all based on what? Need. But may I submit to you that if the church is needs-based, then they don't see a whole lot of difference between what their experience is and what our experience is. I mean, there is, there are some within the body who are experiencing more than enough, but it's not more than enough. Everyone should be experiencing that. Are you with me? It's what I believe God intends. You say, "Oh, okay." Well, look, okay. So we're looking at the beginning. Let's look at the end. Revelation twenty-two, one. Then he showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life. Everyone say the tree of life. Tree of life. Well, why isn't the tree of knowledge of good and evil there? Because it was destroyed. Jesus was crucified against it. That is the tree that was cursed. It's removed from the garden. Why? Because Jesus defeated it. So, so that, that isn't an option... That isn't what God intends. He doesn't intend for that thing to exist forever. Jesus defeated that thing. Are you with me? And so so it says, on either side of the river was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit. Well, here are these trees again. Yielding its fruit every month, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. His bondservants will be there. They will see His face. You know, it's interesting. It says His bondservants will be there. It means worker. Do you know there was work before the fall? Work is not a result of the fall. It is, it is a God invention so that He can do business with His sons and daughters. It is what He desires to do with them. He, he commanded them in the very beginning, work the garden. And it says that he was with them as they worked the garden. And here we see Revelation 22, that when the new Jerusalem has come down, and, and, and this is at, at the end, this is what God intends. There will no longer be any curse. They'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will no longer be any night. They will not have any need of the light of the lamp nor of the light of the sun because the Lord will, God will illumine and they will reign forever and ever. And that's what God intends. God is moving His body from here, from living from need to provision, and then back again, to here, taking our seats. What if? What if the Father, in your intimacy with Him, Told you about about the provision and then allowed you to see the need. Think about that for a minute. Peter comes to Jesus Jesus, we got a problem. We got the Roman tax. What are we going to do? He's the fisherman. Jesus said to him, Hey, um, go down to the lake. Cast your line, and the first fish you pull out, not you'll go and sell the fish, because that's what would normally have taken place, but open up the mouth of the fish, and there's going to be a coin on the inside. Pay the tax for both of us. Okay, now, we we, kind of, ooh, that's exciting, but look at how, what that, how did that occur? Well, listen, we know what Jesus did. We know his pattern during the day. He would go and he would spend time with the Father. What if, not what if, I believe that the Father spoke to him about the provision before the need ever became aware of. What if God said to, Peter, uh, to Jesus, hey, listen, Peter's going to come to you. When he comes to you, tell him to go down to the shore Cast his line in. There's going to be a coin in the fish's mouth. I've already taken care of that. And Jesus is like, uh, okay, uh, why? Well, because there's going to be a need of the tax. The tax collector is going to come and ask for their money. Oh, okay. See, the provision comes before the need. What if, what if the Lord would speak to you, and you're spending time alone with God in the morning, and the Lord says to you, he says, hey, listen, when you go to work today, Someone's going to come up to you, and they're going to have cancer. And I've already prepared the healing of the cancer for them. Listen, what would that do to our faith? Because what happens when it works the other way around? A co-worker comes up to you, you're totally unaware. And a coworker comes up to you and says, hey, man, I just... I just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. I've been given six months to live. What's the first thing that happens? Fear kind of grips your heart. Compassion comes over you. Empathy begins to well up on the inside of you, and a pain begins. I don't know the word to live like that. I don't know the word to live from need. What if the father was able to tell you, and I believe he fully intends to tell you, because he's not just in your now, he's in your tomorrow, he's in your next week, he's in your next month. He's standing there with everything that is already needed for you, saying, I got this. But what if? What if we were able, instead of being gripped by fear and then having to get over the fear and navigate and call Pastor Charlie and say, Pastor Charlie, man, my friend, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I want to pray for him, but I don't feel like I have faith. And he's got to counsel me through this whole thing. What if instead of that taking place, I sat with the Father in the morning and the Father said to me, because I understand who I am, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, I'm seated with him in heavenly places, like Jesus... I hear what the Father says, and I say it, and I watch what the Father does, and I do it. If the Father would say to me, hey, when they come, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to release healing. I want you to curse, very specifically, the spirit of cancer. It will be at least two weeks before they see any change. But just so you know, I've already taken care of it. and the just shall live by faith faith is the substance see the problem is we we make faith mystical we make it this esoteric kind of wispy kind of cloud kind of thing like oh i have faith brother Now you're scared to death. Don't tell me you have faith because fear and faith cannot reside in the same house. Faith is fear in... I'm sorry. Fear is faith in darkness. That the things that the enemy wants to come to pass will come to pass. Why do I have to navigate through fear to get to what God intends? What if God... Listen, this isn't for everybody. Because remember I told you in the beginning... I want to show you where God has us and where he wants to take us, how that's going to function here and and there, but the condition to get there. Because there's this phenomenon going on right now in the body of Christ. I gave a prophetic word about six, eight months ago on a brother's call, and I saw this very clearly. I saw... That there are those who are having are sitting in their seats of righteousness, but because they were unwilling to hold on to the shaking that was going to take place, they were going to lose their seats of righteousness. I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about their position. That's between them and God, whether, where, where their ultimate destination is. But what I saw is they're losing their seats of righteousness because the shaking was being caused by God moving them out of where they are and moving them up into the next season of what God intends for them. But because they desired where they have been more than they desire where God wants to take them, because they desire to hold on to who they've been instead of grab hold of what God intends for them, they lose their seat of authority. But here's the beautiful thing. There are those who are ready and willing to take those seats of authority that are abdicated by those that God intended. And for those that are willing to ascend to the place that God intends for them, they will get this. So how is it you go from here to here? Anybody want to know? Let me see your hands. Seven of you. Okay, bless God, that's enough. All right. Perfect number. So how do you go from here to there? What I saw was the ravine that separates these two pasture fields. You understand Jesus is our great shepherd. He is the head, we are the body. Holy Spirit guides us and leads us, but He is, He is, He is, we are one with Him, right? At least we're supposed to be. He desires us from go to from this pasture field and He leads us into the next pasture field. The problem is this ravine is very, very, very narrow. And the rocks in this ravine are very narrow sharp. Anything that is not who you're supposed to be is going to get cut off. It cannot make it to there. Look, there there are things that people will fear in that ravine because they're afraid that if I go through there, that makes me extremely vulnerable. And there may be wolves that come. Well, Here's what I can promise you. There may be some wolves around that ravine, but if the Good Shepherd's with you, you have nothing to worry about. But here is a promise. There may be some wolves around that ravine, but I promise you there will be many wolves in the pasture field that is exempt of the shepherd. And if you remain behind, you're going to get eaten. See, who is it that remains behind? Who is it that doesn't follow the good shepherd? Look, sheep follow the shepherd. Goats don't. And what did he say? He's going to separate the sheep from the goats so so okay, so that's kind of the picture, but let's let's go back to the tabernacle I come through the gate in the tabernacle, the temple what's the very first thing I come to the brazen altar the very th- first thing what's the tabernacle represent it, it represents it represents our relationship with God. It represents God's presence around us and in us and through us and, and and us being with him and him being with us. It really represents the gate between heaven and earth. All the way through the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, there are these places, these experiences where anything, it seems like anything that's significant happened, there's always, there's always some kind of smoke or fire, or lightning, or thunder, or loud sound, or mighty rushing. There's always these, this supernatural kind of thing that's, that's occurring, right? M- man, his experience in these two bookmarks has been largely trying to, to, to get back to the place where we were originally in his presence continually. Are you with me? And so that gate, that gate, uh, when Ezekiel talks, Moses is probably a better example. When the people of Israel are are, are following Moses, and we had what? We had the cloud of what? Smoke and fire. What is that? That's the gate between time and eternity, between the carnal realm and the spirit realm. It's the place that God is, is saying, come up here don't just stay there don't don't live there don't live from the need don't don't live from the flesh come up here live up here this is where sons and daughters live this is where we're seated with him in heavenly places are you with me that's why that's why our spirit ascends and we are we are with him in those heavenly places but listen so So how do we make the transition between here and there? It's it's very, it's right there in front of us. As you step into the courts, there is the altar. Remember what John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But what did Jesus say to us? What did Paul say to us? we we must become sacrifices living sacrifices how do we get from here to here we crawl up on the altar we become the sacrifice not in place of jesus see his sacrifice allowed me to be here so i could do this but this is the sacrifice I have to walk in. This is what a lot of people are struggling with right now. Because see, they, they want to hold some back. They they want to go through the ravine, but man, those rocks are sharp, and I can't take all the stuff through that ravine that I want to take. But I'm telling you right now the power and authority that God is desiring to impart to his people is beyond anything we've ever seen before. Can you imagine? Before a need ever presents itself, the provision is already there. God communicates to you and the very specifics on what to do to release that on the earth. The Father speaks to you and gives you in the Spirit the very thing that you need. Because you're both spirit and flesh, you have the ability to stand on the earth in your flesh and you release that thing on the earth. Holy Spirit comes alongside you and teaches you what to do with this thing and and how to make it function and work. Are you with me? But to get there, we've got to go through that ravine or set a different way. We have to be completely on the altar. Why completely? Come on. We've been living in a season of a lot of grace and mercy. That God has permitted things, that God has allowed the body to to have this mixed kind of, you know, walk. And he hasn't killed us. I tell you, I baptized a guy three weeks ago. We're down in the river. And here's what the Lord said to me. His name's Frank. And he had been, he'd been struggling with some things. And Frank has the kind of personality you just have to speak very directly to him. No one here is like that, but. <laughs> wow. So Frank comes down in the water, and he'd been baptized. He'd been a believer just about all his life. And he's been toying around, you know, addiction. He's, he's been dealing with heroin and, and all that kind of garbage, and he just got back with his wife. And right before I baptized him, the Lord spoke to me and says, "You tell Frank that if he walks away from me again, I'm going to kill him." Oh, that, that brother, that's just not—that's not the Bible. That's not the love of God, really. Really. You know, I heard someone say one time, you know, I just can't get God. I don't understand why God would take away a man from his three daughters and his wife. Like, they're just little girls, and they're innocent and pure, and why would God allow that to take place? Well, what they didn't know is that that man was toying around with pornography, and it was getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And if he would have continued in that lifestyle, and God would have allowed him to live, he would have molested those children. And the most merciful and loving thing God could do is take him out of the picture. Most merciful to him and to them. Now, they may not have been able to understand that. And maybe later on they would discover it. But what if there was someone who had enough ability, who was willing to go through that ravine and stand before God and drop off the things that they can't any longer walk in? What if there was someone who had that revelation prior to and could have helped them navigate through that in a better way? I'm telling you, that's what the world needs. They are desperate to know. There was a a whole room full of people here yesterday that were just so precious. I came in right at the tail end, and uh, I just saw them walking out, and I just felt the love of God for these people. I thought it was most of you folks. I didn't know it was a whole different funeral uh, people. But but then I started hearing stories, and, and I thought, oh, wow. But see... We're in a season right now where someone who's willing to get up on that altar completely can bring a room full of people who who normally would reject hearing about God and can pre- can preach the most innocent, pure, and holy message about the love of God and the innocence of God and free people that have been in bondage all of their lives. That's what's available to us right now. Now, how did Charlie know to do that? Because he sat here... And God said to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the songs that this girl who had passed away sent to her friends, and I want you to use that to touch these people. He got the provision, excuse me, before he ever got to the need. But we've got to be willing to get holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy on the altar. And if you will, see, because why? Because when you get on the altar, there's the fire. There's the smoke. That's the gateway. That's when you ascend. That's when you can take your seat. That's when you can function on the highest level of the kingdom of God that you've ever functioned. I believe that's not everything, but this is something God is taking us to. That's what he wants us to walk in. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Stand up. Jesus. Yeah. Sweetie, can I ask you, to, or do you have music? Somebody put music on or somebody play or something? Somebody hum? Whistle? I don't care. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I just hear the Lord. I just, I just hear him. Have, I, have, I, have, I don't just have a thousand cattle. That's, that's just, I have all of it. I have every answer you need. I have, I have the, the conclusion, the solution to every problem. I have every healing for any sickness the enemy can drum up. I have the way to bring each one into my kingdom. I have it all. It's all here. It's all now. But I need you to come up where I am. I need you to follow Jesus into that next pasture. I need you to go through a transformation that you've not maybe gone through before. Because if you leave a little bit off the altar, just a little bit, guys, if you just leave some of those pictures on your phone. Ladies, if you just leave that you know, that novel that you're reading that's just not holy, that, that makes a God form in your mind that your husband is supposed to be like that he could never attain to, and you're worshiping some God in marriage instead of your husband. Come on, somebody. Guys, the pictures we look at that portray women in, in such a way that God never made a woman to look like that, and so we form these images in our mind of what People are supposed to look like we watch these tv shows about well what this this guy had in his job and the millions and the boats and the mansions and all that kind of stuff god doesn't give a hoot about any of that stuff not not when there's lost and dying that are all around you not when your needs are going unmet god wants us to live in this place he doesn't want to live it. He's not pointing to that place and saying, hey, go over there. No, he's saying, come up here. Come up here. Just close your eyes and just whisper those words. Let them come out of your own mouth that the Lord's speaking to you. Just say, come up here. Just whisper that again. Whisper, say, come up here. It, it's the voice of the Lord that he wants you even you to speak out of your mouth, because out of the abundance of the the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you're willing to say it, then you're willing to dare to believe that God would have you come into this place of living according to His riches instead of living out of need, of of being the solution. You know, before, before I ever knew about or understood this whole COVID thing, I mean, it was, it was on our radar. But before anyone had ever died from it, before there were any deaths in America, the Lord said to me, he said, son, this thing's going to be an issue. He said, I want you to take, I want you to make four teams and I want you to go to the four corners of your county and I want you, I want you to be the cure. I want to place my cure on the inside of you. And I want you to be the cure. But here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the four, the northernmost point in your county, the southern, the eastern, the western points in the county. And I want you to just breathe my healing over your county. I said, okay, we'll do that. Our our county's a small county. It's 130,000 people. And, and we have had, and, and listen, I, I grieve over every death that occurs in our county. There have been seven, but may I may I submit to you that if we were really going to be honest, those seven people had such severe comorbidity, they were they were going to pass, and the time frame wasn't going to be any different. Did they have this disease in their blood? Yes. Look, I'm just here to tell you that, that when we breathed, we felt something in our county. We've had a total of 130,000 people. We've had seven people pass. I don't believe even those seven people died specifically from the disease. Now, what am I saying to you? Do I believe that, that we're the be all end all? Not us. Not us. But I'm telling you, when you respond to God, when he says, come up here, come up now. But the only way you can is to get on that altar and leave everything behind. And whatever you leave behind, I promise you, I'll give you new. And it'll be far better than anything you could have held on to. Are you with me? And so I'm just here to tell you right now that this is where I believe the Lord is taking his body. And I just think that some of us have to do some business right now because I, I, I sense very strongly that this house as a whole wants this and you individually want this. But there may be some things that the Lord may ask you for to leave behind so that you can crawl completely up on the altar. Because if you leave anything off the altar, the enemy will hook it and pull you completely off the altar. That's why we see these people go through these swings in life. They're serving God and everything's awesome, but then they fall back. And then they're serving God and everything's awesome, and then they fall away. You can't leave anything off the altar. If you do, the enemy will hook it and pull you back. Are you with me? So just right now, just close your eyes and come before the Lord. Just ask Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, show me what do I need to let go of? Where is there any part of me not on the altar? Help me right now to put the whole of me that I would wholly that I would wholly get upon the altar so that like you I too can be holy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You made us in your image. You made us to be holy. So help us now. Help us to enter into the gate. Help us to get on the altar and enter into the gate and take our seat before you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, transition. Shh yes lord yes lord yes lord yes yes lord holy holy on the altar jesus name listen whatever he showed you whatever holy spirit showed you that just doesn't need to be part of you just right now give it to surrender it to him don't play don't plan on taking it back just give it to him now it's yours lord it's yours I promise you, Holy Spirit will help you navigate through all of that. And the only way that you'll return to it is if you leave Holy Spirit. And you tell Him, you just wait. Stay right here. I don't need your help anymore. It's the only way. It's the only way you'd return to it. So now in the name of Jesus, we enter on the altar. We as Identity Church... We as individuals that are here today, we let go of what you've told us to let go of, and we crawl up on the altar of God, and we ask for the fire to consume us, the all-consuming fire. We ask for the smoke to cause us to ascend and make a sweet-smelling incense that you welcome us into that place of provision, into that place that you desire us to walk. Because we have a lot of our Father's business to do. We have a lot of work to do. But you're putting in our hands, tools that we've never had before. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. Read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.